Hey, Femfric Radio listeners, it's summertime, and up here in the Northern Hemisphere, things are pretty hot. Why not soothe your weary minds by dipping into the Patreon community, where all the cool Femfreakers hang out? You get early access to new episodes, bonus tomfoolery from me, Carolyn, and Anita, merch discounts, listener polls, and the occasional surprise treat. You'll also get the chance to pat yourself on the back for supporting feminist pop culture analysis. If you want to be part of transforming the entertainment landscape, then support like yours is crucial to making sure that progressive voices are heard and challenging criticism finds a platform. Head on over to patreon.com slash femfreak and sign up at any level to show your commitment to being critical of the media you love. But it's such an authentic, like, yes, there's this gendered way of perceiving, oh, Iron Fist is a band because they're all boys. And then whatever the, the band that, you know, their band is that they're a girl band because they're they're all they're girls and they're in a band. Therefore, it's a girl band. Welcome to Feminist Frequency Radio. This is the show that asks you to be critical of the media you love. I'm Anita Sarkeesian, and joining me to uphold the rec center's reservation system are the prettiest girls in town, Carolyn Pettit. Hey, hey. And Ebony Adams. Hey, hey. This week, we're talking about the delightful 2013 Swedish film, We Are the Best. We are the best. We're the best. We are the best. I should have moved my mouth away from the microphone when I did that. (laughs) Sorry, everybody. Anyways, stay tuned. Carolyn got a haircut. It was very pretty. Aw, thanks, Anita. Yeah. I, wait, I should have moved away from the microphone. Um, I have not seen this. Is it on your Instagram? Uh, well, no. I mean, it was a story, but I think it expired. Um, I'll, I put it's it on, on Twitter. Twitter. But yes. So if you scroll back right. like a couple of days on my Twitter feed, uh, you can find it. Uh, all, all of our adoring listeners can find it. <laughs> we'll, we'll link um, it in the show notes for you, you all go. to see Carolyn's beautiful haircut. Yeah. Carolyn legit has the best hair. Aww. She really does have great hair. Thanks. It's long and it's, thick. I, and it's like blonde blonde, though. You know how like yeah. when mm. people talk about blonde hair, it's usually that like dishwatery kind of brown that I'm like, <laughs> I don't know why you're calling this blonde. <laughs> like Carolyn's hair is fucking like white blonde. Mm. Just so everyone can. Because raise. she's one of the fae. <laughs> Yeah, you might you might actually be a real fairy. Mm-mm-mm. Yep. Um, I heard a rumor that you are leaving I us, Carolyn. <laughs> uh, yeah, Anita. Yeah. So, gosh, sorry. This is kind of an awkward way to tell you. Here as we're recording this <laughs> podcast, but uh, yeah, this is yeah, this is my last uh, FFR as an official, you know, cast member. Um, after you'll be all back. Time. I will. Yeah. Drag you back, kicking don't, say, and don't say it like that. <laughs> oh no, I'm not like oh shit. You'll be back. <laughs> I don't mean like because no, you'll no, lose your you job. Don't, I know you don't mean that. I know. Um, Just because we can't, we you know, that's not it's not the same without you. Oh, thanks. Yeah, well, we we can't bear to be about you. And I wasn't kidding in Slack when I was like, this podcast is going to be all trash all the time without dude, you. Care, as, Ebony, your influence, we need to you know? find, is there another human on earth who is sincere? Because I don't know what we're going to do with just us. <laughs> we but go, not we just sincere, <laughs> but actually is an Edu- excellent cultural critic. You know? I know, like I don't want just some, you know, and Carolyn knows corn ball, everything you know. about movies. Yeah. I know you know, a fair like, amount. I, I, <laughs> we should, I have a lot we, of blind spots, but I, I know a fair amount. Maybe so. we just, Shut it all down. Shut it all down or have an increasingly 
more awkward series of auditions <laughs> on air. <laughs> live? It, they'll be like yeah. live auditions that you all and, hear. Yeah, and it's then c- people can can vote in for um, I, for the person to take over the I asked someone shit. I asked someone else affiliated with our org, like, hey, do you wanna like fill in for a little bit as we like figure out what we're doing, maybe get some guests? And they were like, you know, I'm not like a cultural cr- like I'm not like an expert or anything. Like I have opinions. I was like, what do you think we do? Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> we literally You think we prep for this? <laughs> You think we're qualified to do this? Come on. Anyways, I am so fucking happy for you, Carolyn. And I can't wait. Honestly, like with the direction that Kotaku's going and like bringing you on, like I'm actually really excited to see how that site, you know, like slowly transforms a little bit. And I'm so excited to have like regular Caro thoughts. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm I. I'm very excited about what, uh, you know, what's going on over there, about what uh, Patricia, the editor in chief, is doing. Uh, I think, you know, Kotaku's these past few weeks um, been really killing it with their coverage of everything that's been happening in the industry. Uh, So, you know, I mean, I'm 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 just joining an already amazing team. So I definitely look forward to whatever whatever we can get up to over there. You know, go tell them how much you love Carolyn and, you know. Yeah. Support support what she's doing over there when that starts tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Well, which will have been two days ago, three days ago when you hear this or or more, because uh, big surprise to everyone. Listen, as soon as the episode drops, (laughs) as soon as the episode drops, people are just leaving everything behind and plug it in. I mean, really, it's true. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyways, we're so going to miss you. And I don't actually I know. know. I like Carolyn told me while I was in the middle of a hundred things and haven't really had time to process. So even now I'm just like, wait, what, what's happening? Wait, what, where's she? What's, I don't oh. know what ah. I'm choosing not to think about it in the way that as the way I handle all difficult. I sent, I sent Ebony life. a message being like, as soon as Carolyn told me and I got off the phone, I was like, Ebony, do not leave me. Oh, <laughs> I was like, well, you I'm, can't go too. I'm, and I was like, well, funny news. I'm <laughs> going to Kotaku. <laughs> well, so am I, according to my dreams. Yeah. Uh, I sent Carolyn this really rambly voice memo this morning about how I had a dream that Kotaku was trying to hire me. And I was like, but I don't want to live in San Francisco and I'm not a good writer. And I don't think this is a good idea. <laughs> Well, FFR, it will now be a Kotaku, a Kotaku podcast. Uh, No, but for real, I I also just want to take this opportunity to say that, gosh, I'm, I'm sure going to miss doing this show uh, each week with both of you. It's been a real, a real uh, pleasure and a privilege to talk movies and stuff with you every week. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah, the feeling is mutual. Certainly, uh, I will miss both of you as well. Um. Speaking of a Kotaku podcast, Anita, <laughs> what if Carol does join a Kotaku podcast? Like, obviously not this one, but like, what if she <laughs> does join another podcast and it becomes like hugely successful? Oh, shut up. That's not going to happen. It, listen, you don't know that. It absolutely I, could. I, if that happens, I will be very happy for Carolyn. <laughs> I will I too, but I will laugh it's so hard. I'll pee myself because it will be amazing if she's like, yeah, I'm on a real podcast now. <laughs> People who actually, anyway, I, look, let's get we, to the nitty gritty. We all know who we are and what we're doing here. Everybody knows. I, you would think so. You would think <clears throat> so. But sometimes, you know, I'll read uh, folks' responses on the Discord board and I'm like, 
<laughs> it's like you've forgotten who we are <laughs> as hosts. You know? We are very clear. We don't know what we're doing, except for Carol, the one person who knew and is now leaving. So I'm going to need everybody to scale back and simmer down on their expectations for <laughs> yeah. like a good six to seven months we're, until we find our way back. We're also going to need all of your recommendations because uh, we're lost now and don't know what to talk yeah. about anymore. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, so on the last few episodes, um, we wanted to let Carolyn choose uh, what, you know, the topics. And um, I wasn't here for last week's, which I'm sure was wonderful. Uh, and <laughs> and this week's um, the way that this week's episode was was pitched to us was it's a Carol movie, but I think you'll like it. still. <laughs> <laughs> Carolyn, can you talk a little bit about um, what we're what we watched? Yeah. Uh, yes. So um, the film I chose for this week for my final episode is a film called We Are the Best. Uh, it's a 2013 film uh, by uh, like writer director Lucas Moodyson, um, who adapted the screenplay from a graphic novel by his wife, Coco Moodyson. Um, and um, uh, it's so it's one of my favorite films of the 2010s. It's a film that I think is just so exuberant and joyous, but, you know, and um, it's about a trio of, you know, like young teen girls living in Stockholm in 1982 who form on this very impromptu basis, this punk band, um, the two, uh, initial, like the, the core initial friendship of the film is between these two girls named, um, Clara and Bobo. And they are sort of these like diehard punks. Um, they, the way they dress and, the, their political engagement with the world and everything kind of sets, sets the two of them apart as, as punks um, from, you know, the, the other girls at their school from the other, all the other kids basically in their community. And uh, yeah, you know, it's sort of this, this fateful event happens where one day at this rec, rec center, this like youth rec center where they hang out. Um, they're so bothered by the music being played by iron fist, the like <laughs> the male, the kind of mainstream, you know, I don't know, hard rock band that, that these other kids are, uh, are in that they, um, catch a plan to like get into the rehearsal room, um, by saying, Oh, look, iron fist didn't sign up for their rehearsal slot. Uh, we're, we're signing up for it. We have a band. We totally have a band. And from that little <laughs> seed of just kind of, um, uh, like Being rambunctious, like mm -hmm. reaction to the status quo that that Iron Fist and their music represents, uh, uh spring something really quite uh, that ends up being quite wonderful. Um, and I this thought it would movie... be appropriate. Sorry, I, I thought it would be appropriate. Yeah. you know, for me, uh, for our last film, because I just feel like thematically, it's got a lot of the stuff that we care about. I mean, these characters, like I said, they're politically engaged. They. You know, I mean, even in their own little way, they're making songs that they kind of hope carry a message and kind of hope challenges things. And um, they're, you know, they're girls who uh, often find themselves like at odds with what society expects or dictates, you know, young girls and women should be. Um, and, uh, you know, so I just felt, I, I felt a lot of like our spirit almost. Um, in a way, in the in the trio of uh, that that uh, that this film 
um, center. So you're oh, saying, wait, so Carol, which one's which? Like, thank I'm, you. I was gonna yeah, say, like, very, you know, you know, my favorite thing is when we watch movies yeah. that feature like a trio yeah. and deciding well, very, which okay, one of us yeah, matches I know, the character. I, I know the, the answer to this. Are you yeah. ready? It, yeah. Okay, oh, I do too. Ebony is Hedvig because yeah, that's right. she's the musician. What? You're the musician. You're the only one that actually knows how to sing and shit. Carolyn is obviously Bobo. Exactly. And I'm obviously What's Clara because no, she's exactly a fucking right. asshole. No, okay, so, I agree <laughs> with you that you are Clara, but I'm Bobo. No, 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 not even. And Carol bit, is Hedvig. No, Listen, no. Caro is the is the quiet, talented oh, one. You know, the one who doesn't like, but, but who ultimately the, like the is more maturity. One. I'm the <laughs> sorry, I'm the heart sick. I'm the one who like yeah. goes to my room and like listens to sad music really loud. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Listen, I'm gonna send you a picture of what I looked like when I was Bobo's age. We're gonna be like. That's a that's a white ebony right there. <laughs> ebony is a white bobo. That looks just like me. Uh, and I was just uh, listen. Uh, I loved this movie so much. So again, shout out to Caro for, you know, suggesting a very Caro movie. Hallmark needs to get on this train every December and instead of Hallmark holiday movies, it needs to be a very Caro movie. It's just back to back to back. Because I loved it. Y'all know cuz we've talked, you know, occasionally about um films that feature pre- predominantly like adolescent teenage cast. And I'm like, there is a stark difference between movies that are made about kids and movies made for kids. And, you know, I think we really need to like explore that divide and what it means. But regardless of whether, you know, where you fall generationally, because I mean, there were times when I felt just like Bobo and there were times when I felt just like the 40 year old parents in this, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) looking at the stuff in there. And it was just it was yeah. so authentically sweet. It's, yes. You know, this film. And the way that, oh my God, this film so wonderfully captures how childhood, like your emotional calibration, mm-hmm. insists that the most low stakes things have world changing right. um, stakes. You know, yeah. for you. And it, but you it know, really, everything yeah. seems so huge. There, there's yeah, a quote. On this, there's a quote from a review in Bitch Media years ago when this came out that says the film feels like being 13, mimicking Mm -hmm. that aching loneliness, boredom and brash confidence that comes from feeling like it's you and your friends against the world. Absolutely. I was like that encapsulates encapsulates this movie so well. Yeah. Yeah. And but but it it does that. I mean, like, while. I mean, there's no like judgment in this film. There's no like these kids, you know, don't have it all figured out. There's no like this film respects, the, you know, Clara and Bobo and Hedvig so much like it. It mm-hmm. it wants us to to. Yeah. To fully like identify with them. It you know, it's it never there's no this film has so much kind of I'd say compassion and respect for its characters, which is a huge part of why I why I love it so. I, I absolutely just, go ahead oh, finish. Well, I was going to say, finish, I maybe. love, I love what you were saying about like identifying with the kids and with the adults, because mm-hmm. so near the end of the film, like there's a little bit of like ramping that happens where they go and they meet these other, like this other, like group of this other punk group. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, they're like, who, who are you going to date? I'm going to date this one. And they like, they divide up the boys between the yeah. three of them. And then one of them, there's only two boys and like Bobo gets left out. And um, like 
the everything that comes after that, like I, I just watched it kind of laughing at them all because I'm like, I remember, <laughs> sure. like, you yes. know, like you're just like it is like what you're saying, Ebony. It's it's like everything feels like the end of the world and the biggest deal ever. But it's so hard to not laugh at it as an adult, having gone through so much more. But at the time, like it's fucking real, like and it's not making yeah. fun of them, but it is like. It is a perspective of like, okay, y'all, you will get over this and it'll be fine, even though it feels like the end of the world right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I um, <laughs> gosh, this this movie. I mean, and, and I don't mean this in a pejorative way at all, but these girls are so cute. The youth on their faces, you know, the way that they sort of stumble through um this this incredibly important and intimate relationship they have among the three of them and particularly among Bobo and Clara who you know as Caro mentioned sort of get things kicked off uh Hedvig comes in afterwards after they see her perform at this um at the school talent show and realize she's you know like basically a guitar prodigy and Clara immediately well doesn't immediately but once they decide to invite her to the band Clara's stipulations are like we got to prevent her from being Christian we got like she can't be in the band if she believes in God and she's just kind of a little shit about it it's fantastic but the one thing I wanted to say real quick is that um you you do get a sense of uh sort of the larger world that these girls inhabit even at, at the same time that you recognize that it is fundamental to your sense of self as, you know, 11, 12, 13 year old, that you do think the universe kind of revolves around you. It must, as you try and figure things out. But I I love the sort of um, images we get, you know, just the glancing touches we get of Bobo's mom, you know, and, and the way she lives and, you know, the things she occasionally struggles with, like, you know, the breakup of this one relationship or um, Clara's weirdo parents, like her dad, mm-hmm. dad you know, in his underwear. and her mom. Like, yeah, right. You know, just it, it felt so full and rich. And at the same time that, you know, as a person who could have a child, you know, Clara's age. And I'm like, oh, please, you know, don't don't mess up this kind of thing or don't take this too seriously or don't make this kind of decision at the same time that I'm, I'm feeling that there's, you know, the tension of the inner 13 year old that I still am. That's like, Oh my God, Claire. Yes. Like go for it. Just like get up in people's faces, you know, demand that people pay attention to you. You know, don't apologize for anything. I was by no means as bold as these girls turn out to be. And certainly not as Claire is like, I definitely was that kid. Like, I think you're probably there's like three versions, you know, of who you can be as a kid. I was definitely a follower, you know, like I always depended upon having like that badass friend to lead me into temptation, <laughs> the valley of darkness. <laughs> and I depended upon them so much because I never had um, the, the sort of strength or ambition to do that kind of thing myself. But OK, last thing before I quit rambling. Sometimes in films that focus on young girls, particularly young girls who don't conform to social expectations in terms of the way they look or the interests that they have, the music that they listen to, um, the identities that they craft for themselves, if those identities that they craft are not perceived as being like mainstream, girly, feminine in a way, sometimes, um, you know, the, the project can tilt too far into a realm of making, you know, the, the main characters not like other girls, you know? And I was, I was ready for this and I was a bit worried that this was going to happen. 
you know, because it's like, oh, we're cool girls because we're tomboys, uh, oh, you know, right, right. you know, that kind of thing. Sure. Um, but girls who like pop music or who like makeup, um, they're silly. They're they're not mm. as, you know, serious or as smart or, or as cool as we are. And I was a bit worried that was going to happen in the uh, in the talent show when we see, you know, Clara you, and Bobo. Yeah, watching, you know, like this this group of girls in spandex perform this dance routine. But what's important about that moment is that the like the derision they have for them is something they have for every single act, you know? And it's the kind of way that you respond when you're a kid, when you dismiss everything that's not what you like. Yeah. It's not just these girls. It's also the kid who's doing magic, you know? It's also, <laughs> it's everyone, right? It's like, you know, everyone who's not me and my best friend is a fucking idiot and your music is shit, your clothes are shit and whatever. And so again, it was just a small thing, but it was something I appreciated. Um, because like I said, too often, you know, it becomes this thing where it's like, oh, so-and-so is not like other girls. And that's meant to be a compliment. And it's like, no, fuck that. You know, there's yeah. something interesting happening in the relationship between Bobo and Clara, 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 Clara. I mean, this movie made me miss Sweden so much. I'll talk about that later. But um, I thought Bobo's character was so fucking interesting and they did such yeah. a good job with it. Like Clara is is not as complex as Bobo is in the grant in the grand scheme of the movie, even though I think she's really interesting and there's a lot to her. Mm -hmm. But Clara is like kind of a bully and like she is kind of the leader of the like the group. Right. And like Bobo's like willing to go along with everything and not like fighting her on it and is like, you know, rambunctious and whatever. But Clara's like calling all the shots. And I think what's really interesting is as you see Bobo like navigating that right where there's times when she loves it where right. she's like super down with it and likes that her best friend will bring her into this space. And there's other times where she feels like she's being uh, talked over. She's being forced into mm -hmm. particular roles. Um, she, she and recognizes that, that she recognizes sometimes that Clara's being kind of rude and inappropriate. And you can kind yeah. of sense Bobo's like embarrassment a little bit in some ways, you well, know? Yeah. I mean, I think you see that more with Hedvig who is um, who, who's like, you yeah. know, really just but, like, oh, like the scene where they're begging for money and like sure. those kinds of moments. I, I mean, I was thinking <laughs> but, like particularly but, with with Clara's treatment of Hedvig at times, like Bobo, at least at yeah. first, Bobo was like, oh, come on, Clara, be, you know, like be nice. Yeah. Don't say all this stuff you're saying, that sort of yeah. thing. But, yeah. Oh, oh, totally. That scene was difficult. <laughs> yeah. But, but there is this interesting thing that's happening, I think, because Bobo is like trying to figure out who she is. She's yes. like comparing herself. Like they're, they're both um, not like girly, right? At, by any means and like short hair and all this stuff. But like Bobo clearly like presents a little bit differently and is, is, is um, uh, treated differently in the world in some ways because of the way she looks. And you keep, you see her looking at herself in the mirror a lot, trying to like find yes. herself and to see mm -hmm. what's there and to mm -hmm. be like, is this enough? And, and, you know, when all the shit goes down with the boys and, and all that, it's just, it's interesting. I, I really liked the trajectory that Bobo was going on, trying to be like, I'm a part of a unit, but this unit may not be the best thing for me. Right. Huh. That there might yeah. be more to this that, you know, like the, yeah, the, the other thing of, of this um, personally is like, Oh my God, I like, not exactly, but I was totally these kids, right? Like I mm -hmm. had like, there was a summer in which everything changed for me and me and my friends were like the freaks and the skids and like we got made fun of and we got yelled at by kids at school like while we were walking down the halls and shit. And it's just like, it was just, I just, this movie, I was like, oh my God, I know this. <laughs> like I know these yeah. people, I understand this, even though it's a little bit different. 
Um, I, I do think that there's something really special about like the gender identity and not, sorry, not gender identity, but gender performance that's happening. Like, you know, part of what I was saying before is that, you know, they're going to see these boys and Clara puts on makeup mm. and Bobo's like, but we don't believe in that. How yeah. dare, how dare you compromise our value, uh-huh. our morals and values. Right. And like, I don't know about you, but when I was 13, like that was everything. Like, don't be normal was our, like me and my friends, like tagline, <laughs> you know, like it's yeah. so stupid and whatever, but uh, there's like the betrayal of how dare you do this thing that we are against. And I just, I thought it was so just, I was like, you, they captured this, the, this age so fucking well. There, and the performances, like the, the actor Mira Grossen, who played Clark was 11 when she played this role. And I'm just, the way she fully inhabits that little firecracker of a character blows my mind, you know, like well, the yeah. all of the performances of the core cast. I mean, I was surprised that they were 13 because they're very like mm-hmm. they're prepubescent looking. Um, and so 13, I feel like, is that cusp of like, I don't know. They seemed younger than than 13 to me. So I was surprised. You know what? I, um, I was thinking that, too. But then I thought we are so accustomed to um, like Hollywood teenage years you know, wherein people are 17 playing 12 year olds. Yeah, totally. But you just, but you just playing 18. Right. But I mean, but so we, but you just said one of the actors is 11. So that actually is like they, she was younger. She, she was younger, but my, my, the point I was trying to get to is that, um, 13, 12, 13 is that age when some of your friends do look 16, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and some look 10, you know, um, yeah. but I really appreciated. So I, I appreciated how young, just how oh, their faces. I mean, when they're like yelling, you know, hate sports, abort, fuck, most of us, whatever. Like, but still, they just look like little chubby angels with their little round faces. But I loved that um, there was no makeover scene is what I was going to get to. Oh, when you were talking yeah. about the makeup. I was just like, I don't think this movie is going to go there, but please, God, please do not have there be a moment where Bobo and her interest for, you know, Elias um, or Claire's interest in Elias, where there's that, you know, that sort of standard Hollywood, you know, switch. Um, and they start to present, you know, in a more feminine manner. And thank God we do not get that. Absolutely. But but even, you know, it doesn't matter that they sort of reject uh, the the, you know, Conventions if they don't perform femininity the way their peers do and all of that, they still. I, um, I think it's so fascinating how when uh, they uh, they go, you know, they, they're getting ready to go to the like Santa Rock concert at the, <laughs> at the end of the film. The two sort of the two adults who run the rec center um, refer to their band as a girl band. Uh, right. God, um, that was it, annoying. It's it, right, yeah. but it's such an authentic, like of mm-hmm. course, like yes, you know, there's this gendered way of perceiving, you know, like like, uh, oh, Iron Fist is a band because they're all boys, and then right. whatever the the band that you know their band is, that they're a girl band because they're they're all they're girls and they're in a band, therefore it's and a girl. I band. love that they pushed back too. Yeah, that they yeah. were like fuck, like they were like no, yeah, no, of course, and of course they do, but uh, yeah. Um, and then followed by that amazing scene where those two dudes in a very patronizing way attempt to teach the girls how to play, including teaching Hedvig, who, as, as we said, is an incredible guitar player. Yeah. Like, I'm going to show you a couple of chords, mm-hmm. you know, and then she proceeds oh to my God. rip 
so good. That was amazing. Yeah, and you're, we're all just, everyone is just sitting there waiting for that moment yeah. to happen. Mm-hmm. And like, those dudes yeah. are such defenses. And that guy in particular, like, it was, he was so, I, I think it was really valuable to have that character that was so, dis- like, he loved Iron Fist. He thought they yes. were the fucking coolest. Yeah. And he was so dismissive of them at every turn mm-hmm. and just kept going and going. Like, it was a really nice, like, moment these moments to show like what they're up against you know yeah. like they're not they're not ma- like some of the shit they're making up in that again like why are parents right they're like <laughs> like we hate parents was another like lyric that they had or whatever yeah. um but that this was a real thing like they were being dismissed because of how they looked and because of be uh, because of their gender and all of that and because they're <laughs> making art i mean you know whatever like uh or you know the the the, the vein of art that they're experimenting in for the at, at their age is is like it's not um it's not what yeah it's not as commercial it's not as like yeah. mainstream it's not as crowd pleasing as like what iron fist is doing or whatever um but you know they they but to them it has value and to them there's value in the very fact that that art is not is not trying to appeal to to like to those who are looking for 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 the more conventional pleasures of you know of like whatever, like more mainstream rock music and, and what have you. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like, um, oh, like Ebony, you keep bringing up like, you know, we would expect this to happen or this to happen and mm-hmm. that you're like, pleased that it doesn't. And I, mm-hmm. as I was watching this, I was just thinking about how, like, I really appreciate international cinema. Like mm-hmm. I appreciate yeah. like the different filmmaking styles that develop out of different like countries and traditions and like Hollywood just, kind of cannibalizes all this shit. Like there's such a, a Hollywood aesthetic, even for some of the more um, like more revered films in Hollywood that are like critically acclaimed that aren't just like Marvel blockbusters, but that there is such a different tone and style to films from different places. Right. And that's what we get here. Like it's a Swedish filmmaker and a Swedish author. Yes. And like, mm-hmm. you know, we it's 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 just I just I, really appreciate that. I mean, it's absolutely. I mean, that one of the great you know, pleasures of cinema for me is, is in the opportunity to, to explore cinema from other, from other countries, from other cultures. Um, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's a way, it really is almost a, a way of like, you know, at times experiencing place, experiencing the world, you know, in, in a way that like, you, I mean, um, yeah, that you, that you can't just, you can't all, we can't just kind of, I don't know. It's a way of tapping into to to just not just the rich culture of cinema, but the rich culture of of the world in which we live. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I really appreciated that, you know, because I'm not Swedish um, <laughs> and, you know, didn't grow up in 1980s Sweden, that there were cultural references that I did not get mm. in this film. Yeah. You know, like, even if you're watching with, you know, subtitles, you're not going to catch, you know, um, some of the like resonances of particular songs being played. Um, or, you know, the ways that certain conversations happen. And I actually, I, I really appreciated that. But you make a good point, Anita, which is that um, I, at the same time that I was watching this movie, I was also watching the film in my head that was the Hollywood mainstream version of this. You know, so as I said, like, you know, in sort of CW version of this, oh, wow. the girls would have been aged up. They would have been, you know, um, more sort of standard, like Hollywood pretty. There would have been a makeover scene. There would have been more made of the um, the sort of brief, uh, you know, relationship with the dudes. Um, like that would have 
form like a, a, a bigger core of the story. Um, so yeah, there's a way in which like, you know, I'm so accustomed to the, the media that I have consumed that I really need to be very conscious and deliberate about not watching, you know, this film for instance, um, or not, um, watching it as, and consuming it and understanding it as something that it is not versus what it is, you know, but it's, it's very hard, um, to, to move past that sometimes. I think I want to add to that list too. And I think this is like a, a big thing is, um, it, if it was a Hollywood made film in this aesthetic of Hollywood, it would have had a bigger conflict. It, it wouldn't, the, yeah. the yeah. we don't really, Hollywood doesn't really do like day in the life very well. Right. Or mm-hmm. very often it would have, it would have been like, okay, they established the characters and like the three story structure or, you know, three acts or whatever. Yeah. And like, you know, like, yeah. And the, the movie wasn't like, I thought it was interesting and it does, ha- it does like kind of go up a little near the end. Right. Like there's a little mm-hmm. more like drama that happens, but it's not about any of that. It's, it's about the, just like day to day shit that these kids are going through. And, and Hollywood doesn't do that, <laughs> you know, like exactly. it doesn't, you know, so that's why most of care, like a lot of the movies you love <laughs> are not from here. That's right. Know? That's exactly mm-hmm. right. I mean, I, yeah. for me, there's rarely anything as, as just pleasurable and, and enjoyable in a film as feeling like I'm like observing characters who I, who, you know, are, are as like complex and and well-drawn and, and, you know, three-dimensional and believable as these characters are just mm-hmm. kind of like having, you know, their relationships and their lives and their conversations with each other and navigating just, you know, what it is to be a person or, you know, in this case, a young, you know, a a young girl, you know, in this world, like, and all the kind of the pressures and the expectations and, and, you know, that come with that. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, it's, yeah, Yeah. such a joy. The, the, um, the, one of the moments for me about Sweden that I was like, "Ah." Mm -hmm. Was they were sitting around eating those fucking tasteless dry, dry crackers. ass crackers mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. butter, which yeah. is so like I've definitely bought those from IKEA. Like those are that's what they eat there, and I like it. Just made me be like I miss that dry ass bullshit. <laughs> I yeah. was like, well, Sweden. Uh. <laughs> I like <laughs> I immediately texted all my Swedish friends, and I was like, uh, I miss you. <laughs> um, but there was a couple of things I made note of just for fun. Um, the it's political for us to hang out with the less fortunate. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> About like, they were like, she's, she's Christian. And so it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And also she's a loner. So it's like, you know, that's what we should do. Um, and then when she, when Bobo cuts her hand and says, I don't want to die. <laughs> and she's freaking out. And you're just like, what is how ha- you just got a little cut, buddy. You're all right. Um, but Listen, I, there I, was so, so many things oh, like that that were just I, delightful. Yeah. And there's these moments where I'm like, oh, like you are like committed and you're in this band and you're going to take down the establishment and all the shit. And then there's these moments where they're just fucking kids, right? Like yeah. just like literally like children playing. And it, it's such an interesting dynamic that, 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 that they are on the cusp of that, right? They're on the cusp of becoming adults, Right. Or, yeah. And getting to yes. a place where they wouldn't keep doing that. Um, I thought it was really funny to watch them like panhandle to buy a guitar. And uh, then they're like and then Hedvig is obviously yeah. <laughs> Hedvig's a little bit older, which you can also tell. And and she's like, well, we could save it. And then they just go uh, buy like a pile of candy, which I'm like, mm-hmm. absolutely. That's what would happen. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah. 
And then I guess some other points I, I wrote that I thought were interesting was like, you know, Bobo was like, I'm never going to get a boyfriend. I'm ugly mm. and disgusting. And like as a 13 year old, you like as an adult looking at a 13 year old, you're like, dude, you got so much time in your life. Like you're fine. But when you're yeah. 13, it's the biggest fucking deal. Right. Absolutely. Like, um, and then the fact that that like they kept talking about these characters as if they were in love with each other. And like, they're just like, are you in love with him? Is he in love with right. you? And like, he and cheated on you with me. And you're just like, oh my God, none of this is real. Yeah, but it's like they the just sat in a room, real. like listening to a record and like he put his arm around her, you know, whatever. And like, this is like to them. Yeah. A, like massive relationship drama and betrayal and 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 it is when you're right. that age i mean you bobo, know like yeah 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 i mean bobo was very like there's that moment when they're like all on the roof when they when the three of them go and there's only they find oh there's only the two boys and they're on the roof oh my and god and bobo like you can tell bobo deliberately asks something like oh 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 it's good that you're not into this this musical artist you know clara is right mm-hmm. like she's trying to like undermine but you understand you like empathize with it i mean you like at least i do like i'm like gosh bobo i i know how left out you feel and how alienated you feel so if you know and you're just whatever you're you're a child like it's it's understandable that you're gonna like do these things to kind of well, and you don't know any bit. better than yeah. to be like, I, you, like you have no self-esteem. So it's not like you're right. like, fuck it, I'm out of here. I kept being like, just leave, just leave, right. baby, just leave. But, you don't need yeah. this shit. And then when she calls him to be like, oh, you're not in love with him anymore. Maybe mm-hmm. I can get in on this. You're just mm-hmm. like, it's like, it's kind of heartbreaking, but also yeah. like, I'm sort of laughing a little bit at mm-hmm. the whole thing. It's sure. sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, one thing though, even though you, you watch them have like these first kind of tentative forays into romance that have been like blown up and exaggerated in their minds. And and you're like, oh my God, you're 13. This is, you know, not the end all be all. This is not the, you know, last person that you're ever going to find attractive or will ever find you attractive or whatever. Right. There's also, I think really importantly, the, um, the film honors, oh, the way in which um, our patterns can be set very early. So, the loneliness that Bobo feels, um, the way that she feels as if she's never chosen first, that uh, that other people are always choosing for her, that she's always in the background, that no boys will ever like her. It's not as if that's just those feelings are going to evaporate right. when she gets older. I mean, yes, you absolutely do. You know, things grow and change. But the way that you are at 40 is in many ways like those things are starting to form when, yeah, when you're 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. And I, I think the film like sort of gently does, you know, suggest like how this is both, um, you know, a very like passing kind of ephemeral thing for Bobo and for the rest of these girls, but that also there is something larger here. Like they are, they are sowing the seeds of who they will be. And those seeds are being watered by everything that's happening them right now does that make sense i mean i don't want to suggest that like you know bobo is going to turn into like you know an old woman you know 87 be like no one loves me you know whatever but (laughs) but yeah like it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that like she would grow up into adulthood and be like "Ah, i just never felt like i really connected with people that i was ever seen with people that shit happens too it it sure does but um yeah i mean i don't i i think you know i i have a lot of hope for i mean I think, yeah, I mean, I think that that, that the film is is offering us a, a, a picture of this moment in their lives 
that um and that a very important moment in their lives, but also one that I mean, I, I don't know. But when I can't the intensity of feeling that I had around things when I was 13 is oh, so boy. far removed, you know, from my life right now, uh, most of the time that it's uh is it yeah. One of the reasons why I thank God every day that there was no social media when oh I was my God, coming up. So much and that and that the <laughs> journals that I kept as a child have been destroyed because my God, yeah. <laughs> the drama. I, I loved the dad when he comes into the room and is like, Hedvig's mom wants to call the police. <laughs> and and you're like, at first it's serious. Him. And yeah. then he's just like, yeah, I guess you should just go like, say you're sorry or something. I don't know. Like, yeah. it's just, he's like, this is so stupid, this whole thing. Yeah. And I just, I, I kind of love that. He's that. Just laughing, at, laughing at the whole mess these girls have gotten themselves into and how ridiculous it is. And like, yeah, like he even hair, says like, shit. Even's like mm-hmm. she can't call the cops, but because you cut her hair or whatever, because <laughs> she doesn't like her haircut. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But you know, I mean, he he de- he genuinely seems to me like like the cool dad. Like yeah. the way that he just kind of takes things in stride. The way he want he wants to like jam with the girls, even though that's the most <laughs> embarrassing thing in the world to them. Or you know, I mean, it's. Yeah. It's 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 and and of course she thinks her parents are the worst when we're like, but those are the cool parents. Right. Like, right. And even Bobo's like, your parents are the cool parents. And both of their parents are like chill. Yeah. You know, her mom is Bobo's mom is kind of a, a piece of work, but she's, um, got, she's got stuff going on. I think. But she mm-hmm. still like seems yeah. somewhat present, even though yeah. like yeah, not yeah. exact, you know, whatever. And so, um, you know, that that was an interesting piece of this is like they're just like. The parents are fine and the kids are 13 and hate them because, of course, yeah. you hate your parents when you're that age, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I loved this movie. I'm so glad you recommended it and I suggest everyone watch it. It it's, So if you have access to Voodoo, uh, which V-U-D-U, which is an unfortunate name, um, it's free with if you watch ads, um, if that's something you want to do and don't want to pay for it. But I highly suggest I highly suggest and recommend it. Same. Okay. We'll be right back. What's up, FFR listeners? We've got so much great conversation coming your way this month on Feminist Frequency Radio. Why not sign up to get early access and bonus episodes? Oh, and help us keep making the show? Head on over to patreon.com slash shimfreak today and sign up. Now it's time to talk about what's been thrilling us, moving us, upsetting us, or infuriating us this past week. I have a freak out. <gasps> Give it to us. And my freak out is partially in honor of Carolyn. But um, uh-huh. the movie Desert Hearts, uh-huh. which is directed by Donna Deitch. Yes. Uh, I, it's from 1985. And I feel like I saw someone like, tweet about this and then Carolyn was like best movie ever and I was like why have I never heard about this and then I watched it and holy shit Carol yeah abs- out this movie is outstanding uh-huh. like I don't I didn't know what to expect you know whatever um and I can't believe I've never heard of it let alone seen it before now it is this beautiful love story between these two um these two women uh it starts with a, a woman who's like going through a divorce and she goes to one of those like divorce camps in Las Vegas back when you could when you had to live. You had to you had 
So back in the day, you had to gain residency in Las Vegas to get a divorce within like six weeks, I think, six or eight weeks or something like that. Um, that's how that's how marriage became something that you could do immediately because this is fun fact of history about Vegas <laughs> is that they had these divorce like ranches. Um, and while these women were living there waiting to get divorced and their husbands were back home, they would meet another man or another person and then want to get married to them right away. And that's how marriage became a thing that you can do overnight in Vegas. So it actually started with divorce, which I think is funny. Anyways, so Desert Hearts takes place in one of those ranches where this really like stuffy, uptight, academic, prim and proper, bougie ass woman um, is staying at this ranch that's like, you know, a little rustic. And she falls in love with the stepdaughter of the owner. And she like she'd never like, as far as we know, dated women before. And so it's just this very beautiful lovely, like two different people from two different worlds, like finding each other and like figuring out that and the the struggles of the community and and the internal struggles of each of those women and how the community sees them and how they want to be seen by it. And like, I feel like this is one of the early like lesbian movies that's actually explicit, like it shows them having sex like it's 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 yeah, they, yeah. It, it doesn't shy away. It, like there's an extended intimacy scene in it. Right. It certainly is a landmark um, uh, lesbian film. I don't know like that it was the first, but I, it has some um, quality, like the first maybe studio released like, like a lesbian film or, and I know too that like, I, I think depictions of lesbian love maybe that preceded it often um, like ended sort of tragically, right? They have the trope of like, well, it's a doomed, it's a doomed love affair, what have you, you know, not, not to give away the ending, but Desert Hearts, it does not have like a, a, a sort of, it's doomed um, quality to it. Um, and yeah. And, um, and also like the, the filmmaking, oh, <laughs> like, so I, I don't know how to, I don't, I honestly don't know how to talk about it. It's just, it's so fucking gorgeous. And yeah. like, you, you emotional. These, yeah. I mean, you get these shots, for instance, of, so the woman, so the, the K I think is the name of the woman who, who's the out lesbian who lives there, who, who our sort of main, or, you know, the other character, you know, who falls in love with the one who's getting the divorce. And you see like just these shots of her, like being this, you know, like riding down uh, these streets with the top down at night and all the lights of, you know, the casinos and everything like reflected in her, in her car and, you know, the wind blowing in her hair and, you know, you get these images that, that really convey that are both aesthetically beautiful and that convey um, a lot about this character. Um, It's, it's full of, of beautiful stuff like that. I mean, the, 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 there's this scene in the, like, I think it's raining outside of the car and one of them is standing outside the car and one of them rolls the window down and they kiss. And it's, it's just one of those like iconic, like, romance, you know, sort of situations that's so like beautiful and sexy. And, and, and and the way too, I have to say that it handles the, the kind of tender, like opening to new possibility for, um, you know, the character who is going through the divorce, like who, who obviously has these feelings, but who understandably because of like, you know, just never having been in that situation before because of the pressure of society, maybe it can't like admit those feelings to herself and needs like kind of 
a gentle like nudging and encouragement and like to for for Kay to create this feeling of like trust and safety and like no you can be this and you know if you feel this way about me like it's you can you can have this you can do this you can express this um to me there's it's just it's so it's so lovely I don't know why we've never done an episode on this movie. I think we should. It's so, it's just outstanding. It's just fucking, it's outstanding. Have you seen it, Ebony? Nope. It's really good. I, I, th- yeah. I think you'd like it. I actually, it, it's, I it's, think I would too. It, it's not like a Let's Carol movie. Let's save it for when Carol that. comes back on a uh, <laughs> yeah. guest episode. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. Who else yeah. has got to freak out? Oh, yeah, I'll go. Uh, you can go. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I just watched on movie M U B I. Um, there's a film that's currently available on there called sweat and sweat is a joint, uh, production between Poland and Sweden, I believe, but it's, it's, it takes place in Poland. It's you know, it's Polish language and it's a film about a, it centers on a woman named Sylvia who is a fitness influencer on, I don't think they ever specify that it's Instagram, but it's like, it's basically probably Instagram, you know, she's this fitness influencer. And, um, at at a certain point, I mean, for one thing, she, she has like, so you, the film really gets into like, first of all, all the, all the work that goes into uh, her kind of maintaining her social media, like brand and just like the constant output of like content to be that like influencer and to maintain the position that she has in that space. But also, like, at one point, she has this, like, vulnerable human moment where she says some, like, true things to, you know, to Instagram about, like, how she's feeling and what she's struggling with. And, like, it goes viral, but there's all these problems that emerge from it, too. Like, some people maybe assume a an intimacy or a shared closeness that isn't there. Um, there and, and there's a situation where a stalker arises. And um, this film, I think, is really... Um, kind of sharp about the dynamics of being a woman uh, on social media, like an influencer or just like anyone with like a big following and navigating the kind of just the inherent like dangers and expectations of that space. And like, and there's also this scene or this moment that I found so interesting because like, I mean, I've talked, you know, to women before um, in real life, like women who, who have dealt with like online harassment and other situations about how, like when they try to talk to the men in their lives about it, those men, because those men are also to some degree steeped in like patriarchy and violence, like their response wants to be like, well, I'm going to go kick this person's ass. Like I'm going to go visit violence on these people, which often is not what, if you're a woman in that situation, what you want or need to hear or what you want you know, the response to be when you share this. And I mean, the film really explores that too. Like the way, the ways that men just respond or like handle it and, and, and the kind of the patriarchy and violence and the, just the threat of like sexual and emotional violence. So, and maybe, maybe this is making the film sound like really, really um, like unpleasant. Um, And, you know, it's definitely like intense at times but it is it is also a very compelling film. And the lead performance by the actor who plays Sylvia is like really layered and phenomenal. I mean, she brings the the humanity, the depth, the complexity, the all the like 
you know, the perform, you see the like performance of her being, you know, Sylvie, the, ins- the, the fitness influencer on Instagram, but also like all the, the, the ways in which like that kind of complicates her, her actual life and the way sometimes the people in her life don't understand it. So I think, um, sweat is just, it's a really good and interesting and insightful film. that's about, you know, a, Situations that are very real for for a lot of women today. Amazing. Uh, my freakouts, as you know, are never extended. It's me just being like, oh, I read this. It was great. I saw this. It was great. So uh, I've been watching the 2016 version of Maigret, which were adaptations of this series of uh, French detective novels. Ooh. French? Belgian? French. Um, and so there have been various you know, iterations of um, of Maigret shows, but these four TV movies starred Rowan Atkinson as the titular detective. And this was, you know, something of a novelty because Rowan Atkinson is known for his really broad comedy performances. And, you know, one of the um, sort of defining characteristics of Chief Inspector Maigret is that he is a very, like, uh, soft-spoken, contemplative, you know, meditative Man, and I think Ron Atkinson does a fantastic job. Um, but the thing that has really drawn me in more so than you know the crimes that he um, investigates over the course of these four episodes is the absolutely exquisite production design on this show. So the the series is set in 1950s Paris and its immediate environs, and it's filmed in um, Budapest. And so the way that they have recreated 1950s Montmartre and the clothes and, you know, everybody's smoking and, you know, just the, like the structural nature of like women's undergarments, you know, like the bras required like heavy engineer. It just, it's, it's so immersive. It's so beautifully done. Um, and also the, the actor who plays Mekhle's wife, uh, Louise, uh, her name is Lucy Kohu. I just love her whenever I see her pop up and stuff. So, you know, not where an extended you, review, but where, where did you watch it or how, where's it? On BritBox, uh. um, which is one of those just like, you know, million channels that are out there. Huh. And quite as it's kept, I do it through my Amazon account. But BritBox has got some great, great content available. I watch Holby City on there. You know, that's my hospital drama jam. I watch stuff like this. Vera's on there. Shetland's on there. Speaking of European crime dramas. You know, Carol, when you were like, oh, I selected a Swedish movie for this week. At first, I was like, oh, it's going to be right up my street. It's going to be some murder. <laughs> there is no murder, and we are the best. But the character who plays, or the actor who plays um, Clara's dad, actor named David Densick, is um, often to be seen in Scandinavian crime dramas. In fact, he appeared in, in a season of The Bridge. So oh. it all is in my wheelhouse there you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Amazing. So that was my freak out. Mm-hmm. You can always leave it to Ebony for the detective crime dramas. There's going to be a connection. It's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon is six degrees of Scandinavian crime drama. Absolutely. All right. And actually this week we've got a guest freak out from Kit. Hi, my name is Kit. And recently I've been freaking out about the Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells, which is a book series and it's won a bunch of awards. So maybe everyone already knows about it, but I thought it might be interesting to listeners of this podcast who are also frustrated with how Star Wars will continue to insist that droids are people and also refuse to deal with any of the horrifying implications of that. Um, The protagonist of the Murderbot Diaries is part robot, part cloned human material, 
and it learns how to hack its own brain so that it no longer has to follow orders. What it does have to do, however, is learn how to make friends, which is very stressful for it because it has social anxiety. Um, it's super cute. It's super heartwarming. It's also really action-packed and fun um, and has themes of self-determination and what it means to be a person in a world that doesn't think you're a person and how to deal with uh, a world just completely driven by corporate greed. Um, a lot of the typical space opera stuff. But yeah, I love it. It's The Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells. Amazing. Thank you so much for recommending that. I have actually read The Murderbot Diaries. I've read the first one. There are six books in the series and it is it is it is it is a delightful short. Like there I I don't know if all six books are short, but I know I think that they're like little short. They're not novellas, but they're short. Um so they're easy to 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 read um or quick to read. Uh one of my favorite things about um Ink, like everything that you said is very accurate. One of my favorite things is that the murder bot like really just wants to sit around and binge watch Netflix. <laughs> oh, and it's amazing. Same. Every time she's like, I just want to get back to my cereals. I'm like, yeah, same murder bot. Same. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to watch my stories. Yeah, exactly. Um, Kit, thank you so much for sharing that. If you want to submit your own freak out, or if you want to just tell us how much you miss Carolyn, you can do that at feministfrequency.com slash freakout. That's F-R-E-Q-O-U-T. Carolyn. Anita. I know we're going to be together in the bonus. Yeah. But for those who aren't in the bonus, yeah. we love you. Well, thank you. We love and you so we're much. We're going to miss you. you and I don't know how I'm going to go on with my podcasting life without <laughs> you. Oh, Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure you'll be great. I'm sure whatever comes uh, after my departure will be wonderful, and uh, I look forward to it. Uh-huh. But, uh, but I will miss you. <laughs> I will miss you both very much as well. Can we have like? But see, here's the thing, everybody. Ebony and Carolyn and I don't like hang out on the regular or anything. I know it's mm-hmm. a big surprise to everyone, and so like I love these moments where we get to just like deep dive yeah. and chat and do things. So we're gonna have to actually like. Schedule time to talk yeah, to each other. Like yeah, like we're gonna have to make it happen. Yeah, you know, we'll have yeah. more. We'll have to have like um, movie nights and stuff yeah. in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening to Feminist Frequency Radio. Tune in next week when Ebony and I are gonna scramble to figure out what the fuck <laughs> oh! this podcast is anymore. Um, please send us all of your lovely messages for Carolyn, either on our Patreon comments or on Twitter or wherever you want to send them to us. I'm sure it will be appreciated. Um, our show is engineered by Rob Perra. Carrie Stimson provides technical support, artwork by Jamie Varon, and our intro music is by Phil Circus. Thank you for listening. Bye, everyone. We are best. We are best. We are best.